Chapter Six of the Bee Master of Warrilow by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Heredity in the Bee Garden. We were in the great high road of Warrilow Bee Farm and had stopped midway down in the heart of the waxen city. On every hand, the hive stretched away in long trim rows and the hot june sunshine was alive with darting bees and fragrant with the smell of new-made honey swarming said the bee-master in answer to a question i had put to him we never allow swarming here my bees have to work for me and not for themselves so we have discarded that old-fashioned notion long ago he brought his honey barrow to a halt and sat down ruminatively on the handle swarming he went on to explain is the great trouble in modern beekeeping it is a bad legacy left us by the old-time skeppists with the ancient straw hives and the old benighted methods of working it was all very well when bee burning was the custom and all the heaviest hives were foredoomed to the sulphur pit the best bees were those that gave the earliest and the largest swarms the more stocks there were in the garden the more honey there would be for market swarming was encouraged in every possible way and so at last the steady stay-at-home variety of honey-bee became exterminated and only the inveterate swarmers were kept to carry on the strain i quoted the time-honoured maxim about a swarm in may being worth a load of hay the bee-master laughed derisively to the modern bee-keeper he said a swarm in may is little short of a disgrace there is no clearer sign of bad beemanship nowadays than when a strong colony is allowed to weaken itself by swarming on the eve of the great honey flow just when strength and numbers are most needed of course in the old days the maxim held true enough the straw skeps had room only for a certain number of bees and when they became too crowded there was nothing for it but to let the colony split up in the natural way but the modern frame hive with its extending brood chamber does away with that necessity instead of the old beggarly ten or twelve thousand we can now raise a population of forty or fifty thousand bees in each hive and so treble and quadruple the honey harvest but i asked him do not the bees go on swarming all the same if you let them the old instincts die hard he said some day they will learn more scientific ways but as yet they have not realized the change that modern beekeeping has made in their condition of course swarming has its clear definite purpose apart from that of relieving the congestion of the stock when a hive swarms the old queen goes off with the flying squadron and a new one takes her place at home in this way there is always a young and vigorous queen at the head of affairs 
and the well-being of the parent stock is assured but advanced beekeepers whose sole object is to get a large honey yield have long recognized that this is a very expensive way of rejuvenating old colonies the parent hive will give no surplus honey for that season and the swarm unless it is a large and very early one will do little else than furnish its brood nest for the coming winter but if swarming be prevented and the stock requeened artificially every two years we keep an immense population always ready for the great honey flow whenever it begins he took up the heavy barrow laden with its pile of super racks and started trundling it up the path talking as he went if only the bees could be persuaded to leave the queen raising to the beekeeper and would attend to nothing else but the great business of honey getting but they won't at least not yet perhaps in another hundred years or so the old wild habits may be bred out of them but at present it is doubtful whether they are conscious of any keeping at all they go the old tried paths determinedly and the most that we can accomplish is to undo that part of their work which is not to our liking or to make a smoother road for them in the direction they themselves have chosen but you said just now i objected that no swarming was allowed among your bees how do you manage to prevent it it is not so much a question of prevention as of cure each hive must be watched carefully from the beginning from the time the queen commences to lay in the first mild days of spring we keep the size of the brood nest just a little ahead of her requirements every week or two i put in a new frame of empty combs and when she has ten frames to work upon and honey is getting plentiful i begin to put on the store racks above just as i am doing now this will generally keep them to business but with all the care in the world the swarming fever will sometimes set in and then i always treat it in this way he had stopped before one of the hives where the bees were hanging in a glistening brown cluster from the alighting board idling while their fellows in the bee garden seemed all possessed with a perfect fury of work i watched him as he lighted the smoker a sort of bellows with a wide tin funnel packed with chips of dry rotten wood he stooped over the hive and sent three or four dense puffs of smoke into the entrance that is called subduing the bees he explained but it really does nothing of the kind it only alarms them and a frightened bee always rushes and fills herself with honey to be ready for any emergency she can imbibe enough to keep her for three or four days and once secure of immediate want she waits with a sort of fatalistic calm for the development of the trouble threatening he halted a moment or two for this process to complete itself then began to open the hive first the roof came off 
then the woollen quilts and square of linen beneath were gradually peeled from the tops of the comb frames laying bare the interior of the hive out of its dim depths came up a steady rumbling note like a train in a tunnel but only a few of the bees got on the wing and began to circle round our heads viciously the frames hung side by side with a space of half an inch or so between the bee-master lifted them out carefully one by one now see here he said as he held up the first frame in the sunlight with the bees clinging in thousands to it this end comb ought to have nothing but honey in it but you see its centre is covered with brood cells the queen has caught the bee-man napping and has extended her nursery to the utmost limit of the hive she is at the end of her tether and has therefore decided to swarm directly the bees see this they begin to prepare for the coming loss of their queen by raising another and to make sure of getting one they always breed three or four he took out the next comb and pointed to a round construction about the size and shape of an acorn hanging from its lower edge that is a queen cell and here on the next comb are two more one is sealed over you see and may hatch out at any moment and the others are nearly ready for closing they are always carefully guarded or the old queen would destroy them and now to put an end to the swarming fit he took out all the combs but the four centre ones and with a goose wing gently brushed the bees off them into the hive the six combs were then taken to the extricating house hard by the sealed honey cells on all of them were swiftly uncapped and the honey thrown out by a turn or two in the centrifugal machine now we went back to the hive right in the centre the bee-master put a new perfectly empty comb and on each side of this came the four principal brood frames with the queen still on them outside of these again the combs from which we had extracted all the honey were brought into position and then a rack of new sections was placed over all and the hive quickly closed up the entire process seemed the work of only a few minutes now said the bee-master triumphantly as he took up his barrow again we have changed the whole aspect of affairs the population of the hive is as big as ever but instead of a house of plenty it is a house of dearth the larder is empty and the only cure for impending famine is hard work and the bees will soon find that out and set to again moreover the queen has now plenty of room for laying everywhere and those exasperating prison cradles with her future rivals hatching in them have been done away with she has no further reason for flight and the bees having had all their preparations destroyed have the best of reasons for keeping her above all there is the new super-rack greatly increasing the hive-space 
and they will be given a second and third rack or even a fourth one long before they feel the want of it every motive for swarming has been removed and the result to the bee-master will probably be seventy or eighty pounds of surplus honey instead of none at all if the bees had been left to their old primeval ways you must always remember however he added as a final word that bees do nothing invariably tis an old and threadbare saying amongst beekeepers but there's nothing truer under the sun bees have exceptions to almost every rule while all other creatures seem to keep blindly to one preordained way in everything they do you can never be certain at any time that bees will not reverse their ordinary course to meet circumstances you may know nothing of and that is all the more reason why the bee-master himself should allow no deviations in his own work about the hives his ways must be as the ways of the medes and persians End of chapter six